Let's pray together. Lord God, we love you so much and are so grateful for the privilege to know you and to call you Lord. Lord, we're aware of the plight of many around us who are suffering and as a nation still reeling with tragedy after tragedy. It reminds us that we live in a broken world and even though we are broken people, Lord, those that are in Christ have been called to let your glory shine through the cracks of our brokenness. Lord, we long to be ambassadors for you in a dark and dreary land to display your faithfulness and steadfast love because you are worthy. You are God. You are awesome and majestic. Fill us now with your Holy Spirit and anoint our ears to hear so that we might apply to our lives the word of God in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. While you're grabbing your Bibles and turning them to Exodus chapter 34, when it's, let me give you a little insight to some things that happened at the Miller house that I don't think are uh, unique to us. And that is when it's dessert time or treat time and you make an offer of a treat, it's not uncommon for a kid to say, if you're saying, can I have a cookie? Or you say, we're going to have a cookie for dessert. And a kid says, mm, can I have three? Right? Can I have three? Uh, let me just say that uh, we'll have cookies and lemonade on the porch. And I so appreciate uh, Jay and Joanna tending to that and, and really ministering in that way for us. But uh, we're encouraging that, but we released her from the cookie police position. Yes, thank you, Joe. She actually did exactly what she was supposed to do, but um, we, we want to encourage, we don't want kids to ruin their lunch. That was the heart of it. But listen, we're not going to tase a kid that tries to, now if they try to take 10, I'm not responsible for what happens, but. You ever, you ever, you have a kid that's that way, that's constantly wanting the upgrade? You say, we're going to go to such and such. Ooh, I wish we could, and they add on 35 more things. Nobody. Just us. Okay. Maybe you work with somebody or you've read a book about somebody like that. I don't know. It, it can be a little frustrating at times. Let me tell you when, this, when the uh, script gets flipped, though, when I say, can I have a hug, and that same precious little one says, no, you can have a hug and a kiss. Ooh, that's a good upgrade, isn't it? You see, it, it depends on when somebody's asking for more, who's doing the asking, who's being asked, what they're asking for, what exactly is going on, and what's the real need. In the Bible, in the Word of God, we're reminded of some men and women. The, the account is, is full of men and women who asked God for certain things. Let me just bring your attention to two by way of illustration this morning. Think of Solomon when he asked for wisdom. God said, what would you ask of me? And Solomon says, give me wisdom so I can be wealthy. No. Give me wisdom so I can be on top of the, my game. No. Give me wisdom so I might serve your people. And that selfless request pleased the Lord and God granted him wisdom and we still refer to the wisdom of Solomon. What about Paul? Paul asked the Lord for relief from the thorn in the flesh in the New Testament. This thing that was bothering him more than a bother, he called it harassment from Satan himself. 
Now, this is Paul that gave us most of the New Testament. This is Paul who was a disciple maker. And our loving Heavenly Father said to him, no, I'm sorry, you can't have that. You see, God's no to Paul in that moment was God's yes to something better. No, I'm not going to give you relief. I'm going to give you more grace and strength. Just as a side note, recognizing the room is full of people. You may be asking God for something and frustrated with the no, but a no from one area means a yes to something else. Don't miss where God is saying yes in your life. Grace for the suffering and in the moment. What a good God and a loving heavenly father we serve. Moses, we're in chapter 34 and Norm preached for us two weeks ago a bulk, a lion's share of chapter 33 and I'm actually gonna pick up the tail end of that where he left off because it sets the stage for 34 and it starts with this audacious request toward the Lord Jesus Christ or toward the to God in heaven as, as Moses knew it. Spurgeon said, it's the greatest petition that any man ever asked the Lord. He asked earlier in the text, show me your ways, but if you'll look at chapter 33, verses 18 through 23, I've got them on the screen. Moses is going to ask for something that no one had seen since the Garden of Eden. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he, the Lord, responds and says, I will make all my goodness to pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Verse 20, but, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I'll take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Wow. Young people, let me break it down for you kids in the room for just a second. So he's asking, Moses is asking to see God, to see whatever God will show him of himself. And God says, hmm, yes and no. Yes, I'm going to show you all that you can handle, and here's what that looks like. Are you ready? I'm going to hide you in a place on the mountain, cover your eyes, and I'm going to get almost out of your eyesight. And just before I get out of your eyesight, I'm going to take my hand away so you can catch a glimpse. Now, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but this little glimpse that he caught and then spending time with the Lord as the Lord unpacked some of his attributes about his name, this moment that Moses had caused his face to light up when he came down the mountain. That little glimpse, that tiny bit of God that he could handle lit him up, literally. Pretty awesome. Let's get back to the request, though. I don't want to hammer this, but Moses is asking for more. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the things Moses has seen up to this point. Uh, just by survey of the room, we don't normally do this. This is... Uh, certainly a monologue in preaching, but let's dialogue for just a moment. Tell me some of the miraculous things that Moses has already seen. We went through this as a family last night. What are some things that Moses has already seen that most people hadn't seen? Talk to me. The, yeah, water and people. <laughs> okay, that's one thing. What else? 
Yeah, how about a bush that burned and wasn't consumed? Uh, somebody else, where he, what's that? Yeah, the plagues, hello? Yeah, water from a rock, I mean, and, and he says, hey Lord, one more thing. I'd like to see more, right? I want three cookies, and no, this is, this, I, don't, I don't get it. We, if we're not careful, we think of this as some kind of selfish request, but that's not what's going on here. What is Moses actually asking for? He's asking for this full, unhindered access to the splendor and the radiance of God. I, I titled the sermon this morning, Desiring God. That's, that's why he wanted it. He delighted in God. He delighted in serving God. He, he delighted in the Lord. He desired God, remember the Bible tells us that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. There's a strong connection here between delighting and desiring. Look at this slide for just a a few moments and watch the logic here. Moses desired God's word because he delighted in God's word. Moses desired God's presence because he delighted in God's presence. Take it away. Moses desired God because he delighted in God. What was God's response? Yes and no. Yes, you can see my goodness. Yes, I will proclaim my name. Yes, you will experience my grace and mercy. That's the way God responds in 33 and then we see it unfold. Here's your first point of the morning. Number one, Moses saw the Lord's goodness. Moses saw the Lord's goodness. If we look at that little passage we just read, 18 through 23, Moses saw something pretty incredible. Moses had a vision of God on top of this mountain. Now, I'm gonna do a little um, teaser here that I hope that you'll have to remind me if I don't undo it at the end. But this was not the final answer of this prayer request. This was not actually the mountain that Moses would see the most glory of God on. We'll come back, to, I'll just put that right there and I'll try to remember to come back to that at the end, okay? But Moses here gets to see the goodness of the Lord. Moses experienced God's glory. You and I get to see the glory of God on display all around us. Last week, last Sunday, 51 of you, not that we were counting, 51 of our regular members and regular attenders were away over the holiday. Many of you, I'm sure, were seeing the Lord's goodness in the beauty of creation. A lot of you, I think, were by shoreline, right? Yeah? I bear witness with your soul there. That was a wonderful thing. It's hard to stand at the ocean and not have a moment, at least, to think about how little we are and how big God is. But if we're not careful, hang with me for just a moment, sometimes we might say something like this, I never feel closer to God than when I'm in nature. Or I never feel closer to God than when I'm in the mountains. Or I never feel closer to God than when I'm at the beach. I I don't want to discount your feelings, especially in 2021. But uh, can I just remind you of the truth from Scripture here? You're actually closer to the reality of being closer to God. Watch this. Introverts, take a deep breath here. You're actually closer to the reality of God than when you're around other people. You see, we were made for his community. Creation points us to God, but people were made in the image of God. Fellow image bearers. Now look, we all need space, we all need time, we all need to recoup, we all need a glimpse of something bigger than us to draw us 
to the beauty of who God is, but remember that we see God's goodness every day when we see fellow image bearers. The Bible says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made, and we love that, and we think about creation, but then it says, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, image bearers. Colossians 1, one of my favorite passages, He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, firstborn here we go when he took on flesh robed in flesh image bearer worthy are you O Lord our God revelation 4 to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created if we're not careful when we come to the passage there at the end of 33 and we see Moses having this incredible encounter with the glory of God and seeing something that hadn't been seen since the Garden of Eden and wasn't seen really since then, recorded in Scripture. Moses has this moment and we can focus on that moment and miss the message of this, that you and I, every day that we live, get to see the goodness of God. He asked the Lord for his glory, and God showed him his goodness. He asked the Lord for his glory, number two, and he heard the Lord's message. Remember how the Lord responded to him. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name. The Lord brings Moses up into a special place. He shows him a tiny glimpse of his radiance and splendor, and then he proclaims to him a message concerning the law and his name. Now, chapter 34 deals with that unpacking of the law. We preached a lot of that text already when we covered it earlier. Go back in the series and grab that. A lot of 34 and the following chapters are the fulfillment of some things that we've already covered earlier on so I want to focus on some of the things that'll speak to us today get this now though he wanted to see the Lord and the Lord lets him see his goodness and then what does he do he preaches a sermon to him now I don't know when the last time you prayed and the answer to your prayer was a sermon (laughs) but I'm glad you're here this morning Some of you, don't miss this, some of you are praying for something. You've been asking God for something and God regularly puts you under the teaching and preaching of his word and you're wondering, God, when are you gonna answer my prayer? And he's saying, I have been. Don't just be present physically. Be engaged in the sermon moment and the message The second point there, Moses heard the Lord's message. Now concerning the law, Moses goes back up, we read, to get a copy of the law. It's a little different from the first time, not in what it says, but in the way it happens. Moses takes the stones up this time instead of God having them up there already. Uh, Many people have written that's probably to remind the Israelites that he had to um, take something from down there up there since they broke the last ones to remind them of their sinfulness. You know what, though? The fact that God gave the law a second time is just a picture of God's grace. You say, wait, the law is a picture of God's grace? Yes, because he's a God of second chances. He could have wiped them out the first time. He 
said he was going to and they deserved that, but Moses stood in the gap he invited him to and Moses pled for this stiff-necked people and God spared them because he's a God of second chances. I wonder this morning, regardless of what you're struggling with, what you brought into the room, if it would encourage you to know, let's do this just by show of hands. How many of you are sitting here at Grace Covenant Church this morning, on this June morning in 2021, because God is a God of second chances? By show of hands, just to encourage a neighbor. You think God can't forgive me? He won't hear me? Look around. Hands went up second, third, and many of us have lost count. He's a gracious God. Now let's look at what he preached concerning his name. You see the text up there, verses six and seven. We get a glimpse of God's glory when we get an understanding of his name. Look at the verse. I want you to study it and focus on it with me. We'll get to seven in a moment. Let's just focus on six. The Lord passes before him, and here's what he says. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So many theologians note that this verse is one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. It's repeated numerous times in Psalm, Psalm 86, Psalm 103, Psalm 145, Joel 2, Jonah 4, just to name a few. Tony Merida writes, when somebody wants to know what God is like, they could quote this verse. After saying his sacred name, Yahweh, which God revealed to Moses at the burning bush, this verse begins to disclose about himself what he wants everyone to know. Let me break it down for you really quickly under this second point. I wonder if there's anyone in the room or under the sound of my voice this morning that would find themselves in need. God is compassionate. God says of himself, I am a compassionate God for those in need. He's merciful. The Bible says in Psalm 103, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion for those who fear him. I wonder if there's somebody in the room under the sound of my voice this morning who cannot measure up. You feel like you just can't measure up. God is gracious. God is gracious to those of us who miss the mark. In fact, the Bible says the wages of sin leads us to death. But the gift of God, the free gift, it's unearned, undeserved, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you know it as a gospel invitation. For by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. You didn't earn it. It's not of works or you would boast. We make our boast in the Lord. God is gracious to those who cannot measure up. He is merciful, compassionate for those in need. He is slow to anger for those who are rebellious. Aren't you thankful for that? You and I are here today because of that reality. In the New Testament, Peter would write, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some men count slowness, but is patient toward you not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance God is slow to anger toward the rebellious what does God reveal about himself here he says he's also abounding in faithful love and loyalty even to the unfaithful 
The Bible says the Lord is good in Psalm 100. His steadfast love, that chesed love, endures forever. That never stopping, never ceasing, chasing after you kind of love endures forever and is faithfulness to all generations. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. It's who he is. He's a faithful, loving God this morning. As we move to verse 7, you see that he keeps that love to a thousand generations, forgiving thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression for sin. God will forgive the guilty. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? By the way, this is the Old Testament revelation of God. You have friends that say, oh, I only want to hear about Jesus because the Old Testament God, as if it's some different God, is this uh, vengeful God. This is God revealing himself compassionate, gracious, loving, forgiving. What does he forgive? Well, he lists three types of sins, if you will, that he forgives here. Iniquity, that's wrongdoing. Turning aside from what is good and right. Transgression, he says, That's open rebellion, betraying the covenant with the king. And then he lists sin. It's it's kind of the catch-all. That's any type of moral failure. God forgives those that confess. The Bible says in 1 John 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now the final note on verse 7 is we unpack God's self-revelation is one that should strike real fear into those of us who are not in Christ this morning. And it should remind those of us who are with a sense of urgency. God is a just God, and he's just toward the unrepentant. Look at what it says. He will by no means clear the guilty, the unrepentant, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. God is just toward the unrepentant. We don't get to pick and choose which parts of God's attributes we want to hold on to and call it our truth. Those who reject God will be held accountable. Just because God is compassionate and gracious doesn't mean that those who are guilty in open rebellion against him and remain unrepentant get a free pass. That's not how any of this works. Now the mention of consequences on several generations, listen to me, because there's some bad teaching about generational things, but this does not mean that their grandchildren are going to be punished for something that their grandparents have done. They are not on the hook for the sins of the grandparents. What it does mean, however, is that God's justice continues when sin continues. And we all know that sometimes families get stuck in a rut. And it can repeat through generations. And God's saying, I don't let off the hook just because it's a new and fresh generation. He requires repentance. But he gives everything we need to do that. God's justice, wow. It seems almost contradictory in 2021 to hold that in such tight fists with God's love. They seem at odds. But listen, God's justice and God's love met perfectly on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
At the cross, God poured out justice at the same time that he displayed his love. At the cross, he was the one who was just and he was the justifier, according to Romans 3. At the cross, we're reminded that God will judge and punish sin. At the cross, either Jesus received your judgment or you will face God's just judgment on your own. This is God revealing himself. I am the Lord, the Lord. I'm merciful, I'm gracious, I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I keep this love for thousands even when they're unfaithful. I forgive sin and I am just. This is our God. No wonder Moses bowed his head and worshiped when God preached a sermon about his name. It's a great model for us, isn't it? Once we've heard the message from the Lord, we've been humbled by God's goodness, we've been confronted with our own sinfulness to respond to the text with worship and reverence. That's why we sing before and after the sermon. It's why we give you a moment to respond to the text. Moses did. It's a good template. Moses desired God. He saw the Lord's goodness. He listened to the Lord's message. And finally this morning, he received the Lord's grace and mercy. God hinted at it there in 33 when he said, I'm going to be gracious on whom I will be gracious and show mercy on whom I will show mercy. It's God's glorious, sovereign grace on display as we heard unpacked a couple of weeks ago. God was going to protect Moses. Philip Ryken uh, writes it beautifully and says, God uh, protected Moses from God. <laughs> Moses was protected from God by God. We see in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 34 that God is going to renew the covenant here. Moses says, if I've now found favor in your sight, O Lord, please, please let us go. Go with us in the midst of us, for it's a stiff-necked people. Pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. And the Lord responds and says, I'm making a covenant before all your people. I'll do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation, and the rest of it is just replete with wonder and splendor as God renews his covenant and replicates the commandments and then sends Moses back down the mountain. But Moses goes back differently than he came. I wonder, I wonder on a Sunday morning, even at Grace Covenant Church, when you come into this gathering and we sing the songs that we sing, and you hear the word of God put on display as it is and the fact that our call to worship is the word of God and we take communion together. I wonder if when you leave this place, if anybody looks at you and says, huh, you've been with God. Moses comes down the mountain and that revelation that God gave him fundamentally changed him. Something profound had occurred on that day and it was reflected in Moses' own appearance. He came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant in his hands and his face was shining. It wasn't just good glowing complexion. He didn't just have a tan, right? And look good because he had been at the coast after Memorial Day weekend. No, he was glowing. He had the radiance of God on him. Moses had seen and heard the glory of God and he was changed by it. Watch this. Moses delighted in God. He desired him. 
What Moses desired, he delighted in. And then, watch this, not only did Moses desire God and delight in God, when he came down the mountain, he displayed God's glory. And others could see it. Let's bring it home. You and I, every one of us, from the youngest in the room to, what's the right word? The most seasoned person in the room. The most experienced person in the room. You like it? You and I were made for God's glory. That's why you were created. The problem is, our default position is to live for our own glory. And given the option, we would choose self over God almost every time. We desire us, not God. We chose creation over the creator. Most of us want the presence that ends with a T-S of God, the gifts, the stuff from God, more than we want the presence, E-N-C-E, of God. That looks better on paper than it sounds coming out anyway. On paper, you're like, oh, that's good. And you say it, and you're like, eh, I don't know if that hit well. We want God's stuff more than we want his presence. Our natural sinful bent is to delight in the things that bring us pleasure. But you know what? It didn't start with us. This, this thing of delighting in something and desiring something and then displaying something actually began in the garden. In Genesis 3, the Bible says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes. And that the tree was to be, look at it, desired to make one wise. She took it. She gave some to her husband. And he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Eve saw the tree's fruit and delighted in it. It was desirable because of what it offered. And as a result, she wound up displaying her true and his true, Adam's as well, sinful, broken selves. As a result, all of humanity starts being cut off from God. We need a Savior. I mentioned to you that that mountain was not really the final answer to Moses' request. Lord, show me your glory. He thinks it's gonna be on Sinai. He goes up, gets to see the hinder parts of God as he passes away and and thinks, wow, comes up and is lit up for a season after he comes down the mountain. It's amazing. But it would be a long time and there was a mount that we refer to as the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus would go up to pray and coming down from heaven would be Moses and Elijah. And there he would catch a glimpse of the glory of God that he never could have envisioned before because you see the writer of Hebrews tells us that the full expression of the glory of God is Jesus Christ. Moses, I wonder in that moment goes, wow, that's a long time to wait for a prayer request to be answered. Jesus is the only hope we have to rewire our desires and our delights. 
The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. You say, I, I want to desire after God. Well, that may be the Holy Spirit working in you this morning. Only those whom God calls, only those who repent of their sin and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ will actually delight in God and desire God and display Christ to our neighbors and the nations. And what the world needs now is a glimpse of his glory. What are your desires this morning? If I were to ask you to make a mental note of all the things that you're desiring, well, after the sermon, you're going to put, I'm going to put God on there because he's going to say that. But if I were to ask you before service, what are, what's on your list, your wish list, your desires? Is there anything on there about your relationship with God? Like Paul, when he says, I want to know him more, more. I want to know him more. What are you delighting in? The abundance of things, the appearance of beauty, the sound of music, all of these things fade and change. Who are you displaying to the world? You or our God and King? The picture perfect glory of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight, desire. When we leave this place today, we need to display Christ to the world. I'm going to ask Julia to come and just play for us for a moment. The musicians are coming. I'm going to ask you to remain seated for a moment while the musicians make their way up to the stage. I cooked some steaks for Memorial Day. Not that impressive, I'm sure, but for us, we don't eat steak a lot and fired up the grill and cooked it in my earlier days. I would cook it, right? Every man in here is about to cringe. Every woman in here that knows her way around a grill is about to cringe. But I would cook it. I didn't know better. You'd cook it. You'd get off. You'd start cutting it. You know, like that. Going after it. Until I met somebody that said, oh, no, 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 no. Let it breathe. You got to let it breathe. Freaked me out a little bit. Didn't know fully what that meant. I thought, I don't like them rare. What are you? No. No, you just got to let it breathe. I want to let this breathe for a moment. Julie's going to play. I'm going to ask you to pray. And ask the Lord, where are your desires askew? Do you need today to come to the Lord Jesus and ask him to save you and radically change you? You can do it. You can do it where you're seated. You can come down here and do it if you want to. I'll be ready to pray with you. But let's take a moment and let the text breathe. Let's bow our heads in worship as we respond to the word of God. Father, thank you for your word this morning. We ask that you would fill us with your spirit in such a way that we display Christ to those around us who are in desperate need of a true picture of your glory. We love you. 
We confess again our need for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.